0: Welcome to my monthly podcast titled Becoming a Sage. My name is Jan Freed, but you can call me Dr. Jan. I interview people about wisdom, how to find meaning on a daily basis, a concept I call breadcrumb legacy. I'm passionate about helping people get from where they are to where they want to be, particularly in the second half of life. I also say I'm out to retire the word retirement. We're not retiring from life, but we're moving on to something else. And I believe it takes time and intentional thought to successfully move on to what's next in life. I interviewed Jen Clem. Jen is the best-selling author of Beyond Happiness and the CEO of Delivering Happiness, a company she and Tony Shea, the late CEO of Zappos, co-founded to create happier company cultures for a more profitable and sustainable approach to business We will explore the main concepts in her book. And she's going to tell us, she's going to guide us, no matter our title or role, on how to live more meaningful lives through the work we do every day. Jen has been featured on so many things. Um, For more information about Jen, see the podcast or see the bio attached to this podcast. She's really known as the happiness expert. So, welcome to the Becoming a Stage podcast, Jen.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Jan. It's great to be yeah, here.
0: I love, I love the title "Happiness Expert," and I would say you and what Gretchen Rubin are probably, yeah. you know, at the top of the the list there. So, um, I've yeah. read your book, uh, underlined you. much of it, uh, found it very interesting. And so, why don't we just what I noticed about your book is your book is framed around um, your greenhouse model. So Mm -hmm. let's just start there. Give us an overview of the model and how to use it.
1: Yeah, so this has really developed over the last 12, 13 years now. We started using this at the beginning of when we first launched the business Delivering Happiness uh, after the book came out. And so essentially it boils it down to what essentially is most important in our work lives and, uh, and it bleeds out and ripples out to our general life. So in the model, um, if you can imagine a pyramid on top, you have a higher purpose. And that's very clear as to, you know, what are you doing that's beyond and bigger than yourself? On the bottom of that period, uh, pyramid are values and behaviors. So, what are the values that you, you know, value most, but also specific behaviors? And rem- remember, this is not just for your individuals. This is for our teams, you know, this is for sure. our organization and making sure that. We're aligned on all this across the organization so that everyone's individual values, individual purpose is also aligned to that of the team and that of the organization. Uh, So in the middle of the the pyramid uh, is what I call the greenhouse conditions. And this is a mix of what we've known uh, from the science of happiness and also what it takes to run today's modern organization because we got to admit, you know, like the way we used to work doesn't work anymore, especially since since 2020 when we got 2020. Um, and so elements of that include from the scientific of happiness standpoint, um, a sense of autonomy or control, a sense of progress that we're learning, growing and developing, a sense of connectedness. So actual meaningful relationships, not just topical ones like, you know, what you're drinking for happy hour or what you're binging on Netflix. Um, and also at that, you know, those so those are levers of happiness. And then combining that with what organizations and teams need right now, which is a sense of accountability that we have each other's back, uh, a sense of alignment, again, aligning the values of that of an individual and the purpose of an individual to that of the company, um, and a sense of belonging. So more important than ever, everyone needs to have a voice, be felt that they are heard and understood and have a sense of psychological safety that they can actually express themselves in these authentic ways.
0: Yes, no, I think that's, definitely true i mean and the whole emphasis on isolation and you know so like mm-hmm. you said belonging well describe what it means to start with the me and why this is mm-hmm. so hard or is this hard
1: for most i mean you. i i kind of bounce that question back to you is it hard <laughs> for you
0: <laughs> no i think it is i think it is yeah. I, uh, I think that's why i wrote that yeah
1: yeah well change in general is really hard and i think i mean i'm just really being current here because according to the latest Gallup poll of the world's workplace, the world's workforce is actually more, and this is not not surprising at all, right? More stressed, more anxious, more depressed than ever, especially since 2020. And I think that's made starting with the me even harder because in a lot of ways, we haven't, as human beings, really processed all these things that have happened. And just as an example, like, you know, every single human being uh, has suffered some form of trauma in the last, especially in the last two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And when I say trauma, this could be your own individual definition of it. But, you know, we've lost a lot of things. We've lost people. Uh, We've also lost things like hope or, you know, expectations. We've lost jobs. We've lost relationships. All these things can be whether or not we have processed or acknowledged it. These are physiologically affecting and impacting our bodies and our minds uh, and, and our hearts. So because of this, I think it is especially hard to start with the me. But if we put it in a different context and we reframe it, thinking about all these things that were uncontrollable in our lives in these last two and a half years, what we can control, though, is exactly this, is actually really starting and focusing on the me. What is it within my means to control? And that comes to, um, like, you know, in the, in the model, yes, it's our purpose. Yes, it's our values. I think more than ever, we can actually talk about other things like our mental health, like our sense of true well-being. And because basically these things like burnout and stress and of what, you know, things that are plaguing us more than more, now at least the, the, the hood's been lifted and we can have these more honest conversations with that psychological safety if we are in the right environments to create that. And if it's not being created for us, then we need to create it for ourselves.
0: Yes. No, that's excellent. Well, talk about the ripple from the me to the we. And, you know, in the book, yeah, you know, again, in the book, there are visuals, diagrams, you know, all of their illustrations to make this easier to understand. So it, um, you know, I encourage all my listeners to get the
1: book, but um, the ripple from me to we. Yeah. So what's really cool about this model is that what I just described with the greenhouse model, like purpose, values and behaviors and all these elements of the greenhouse conditions, they just don't need to necessarily apply to the individual when you actually ripple that out you apply that to the team so imagine just a, a group of people being engaged and being aligned on all these things that's when you see the ripple from the individual having a strong sense of groundedness in self and the, you know and what they're doing at work but also in their in their well-being then you see the whole team the ripple of the team also feeling the impact of what it means to truly be more more engaged you know with no not only their work but with each other so I think that's what's really it's like a, such a simple model but when applied in a consistent and committed way, you can really see the results because you're you know what we're looking for as organizations like you want to have that productivity high you want to have that engagement high for those outcomes especially right now because another, you know, season of layoffs is looming. Another recession is looming. And with all these uncertainties, if you apply this model, you can see how you can keep teams and people motivated and engaged even even during these really hard uncertain times.
0: Well, that's definitely true, uh, for sure. Well, the book is full of great exercises. And I was particularly interested in exercise two on page 82. Um, What's what's your living legacy? Um, my passion and focus of my book that's coming out, you know, in the beginning of 2023, called mm-hmm. Breadcrumb Legacy, How Great Leaders Live a Life Worth Remembering. Mm-hmm. And so I'm passionate about this whole idea of legacy. Uh, please share, you know, some of your exercises, such as the wheel of wholeness, or mm-hmm. whatever you feel like sharing, you know, but again, when I say, you know, what's your living legacy, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what's that mean to you? Or how do you define that? Or
1: yeah. Well, first of all, congrats on your book.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited about it.
1: Yeah. It's it's quite the journey. Um. So when I say living legacy, a lot of people like normally associate legacies for what people leave behind. Yeah. After they're gone. And you know, I just believe that that's a little too late because you're not really actually <laughs> getting a sense of that impact that you we all want to make in our lives while we're living. So I call it a living legacy because if we can actually ground ourselves and and live by the things that are most important to us, prioritize our values in a way that actually are lived on a day-to-day basis, make that sense of, you know, uh, impact because we are actually, you know, living our purpose on a day-to-day basis. Then that's, make, that's what makes it a living legacy. It's like exactly all the things that you would like to be said, you know, the exercise kind of leads you through that um, yeah. and your eulogy, but not to be morbid because you could be living those things right now.
0: Yes. And I talk about that in my book. I mean, that's kind of where I developed this breadcrumb legacy concept that we're leaving it in bite-sized pieces all the time. I'm leaving some mm. of you today. You're leaving some of yours with me. Mm. And Actually, um, Jen, I have a chapter in my book called uh, uh, Embracing Death. Mm. And so I just wanted to talk about this a little bit I, I and kind of share a story. I wanted to talk about Tony the founder of Zappos and the author of you know, Delivering Happiness and co-author with you, uh, by sharing a personal story. In, in 2008, I was teaching full-time at a college, um, had been there, well, 2008 had probably been there 20 years. And my favorite course to teach was organizational behavior, where we talk a lot about create a culture where people want to work and mm-hmm. how leaders do that. And through a blog, I learned about Zappos' culture book. And the writer said in the blog that he had received a free copy by emailing Zappos and saying the book would be used in teaching a course. So I immediately emailed Zappos and I received the 2008 edition of the culture book and I used it every year and I still reference it. And I'm not sure if they still publish a culture book, but the latest one I found on Google was from 2010. So mm. I don't know if they still do it or not, but I would constantly use that and use that with actually in leadership workshops, talking with other organizations about, you know, if you want to reinforce your culture, create a book, you know, self-publishing, you know, collect mm. stories, create a book. Well, when I learned that Tony had died, I pulled out the book and I had never noticed it, but it was signed.
1: mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. said,
0: thanks for using this book, Tony. Whether he actually signed it or not, I'll never know. But I was a fan of all that he created and was continuing to create. And Mm. you write very beautifully at the beginning about, you know, your law, your grief and the loss of Tony and at the end, you acknowledge Tony's brilliance and the influence he had on your life and your career and your thinking. And I've just done so much grief work. Um, I'm mm-hmm. a hospice volunteer. I believe, like you said, so many things with the pandemic, so many things we've lost, and there's a lot of grief associated with that. Mm-hmm. And um, so you do a beautiful job of you know, acknowledging, you know, how much Tony meant to you. And um you know you, and purpose is so important to your work it's important to my work and mm-hmm. in fact I'm taking a purpose course right now with Chip Conley of the Elder Yeah yep. that's and, awesome. Yeah and I went to Baja in uh went to Baja in July. Mm-hmm. And um and I've interviewed Chip and I cite him in my book and you cite him in your book. Mm-hmm. Um you know do you think I mean one of the things that you know I didn't know Tony. I didn't really but I started doing all this research into him and his life and what he was creating in Las Vegas. And, you know, do you think after selling Zappos that maybe he lost his purpose? I mean, I'm not looking for any inside scoop, but um, now there's a book called, uh, you know, out on about Tony happy at any cost. Um, I haven't read it only blurbs, but it kind of reminded me of, you know, Anthony Bourdain and some of the stuff that's coming out about him. I mean, do you think that, you know, here he was so much into happiness and all the you know all the things that he did and said to make people really want to be there and the culture and everything the two of you created. Do you think he's lost a sense of purpose or do you think I don't know? Mm. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I mean of course it's impossible there's for more me to it. it. There's a whole lot more Yeah. To and there's so many layers to it and and yeah. and I I never had a sense that. Tony lost his purpose I mean even after Amazon was acquired he was still CEO for many many years and he was very passionate about downtown Vegas and building out that rebuilding that community and revitalizing that community with with Zappos employees and so yeah I mean if anything I like Tony has always been one of the most intentional and purposeful people that I knew so yeah um well, and then yeah, it's kind of it
0: We have a timeshare in Park City. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then all the research kind of led me to, you know, do all that I was looking at all this stuff in Park City. And, you know, it just to lose people like that, it's just so um, I mean, you know, you you'll carry them with you, and you know, you kind of say that in your book. Um, mm-hmm. and we know that legacy lives on, and that's what we're talking about, impact and um, mm-hmm. but it was just um I can't imagine to lose somebody so close like that, you know, who was such a significant, I mean, you were co-authors and co-founders and, um, so. um, Yeah.
1: Co-founders. I mean, technically he, he authored Delivering Happiness. I just helped him with other stuff and launched the book around it, um, the book and then the the company, but, uh, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that you're embracing these topics because I think it's so, um, For whatever reason, especially in our, I think Western society, it's been just kind of like, like you know, brushed under the rug, and and just you know, just one of the things you don't really talk about. Um, But I think you know that goes against all the things that we as human beings, over our you know, over generations of what death and life can mean. and so i'm glad that you're really opening up the topic in in your own way because i think it's uh you know there can be beauty in it if we if we if we choose to see it that way absolutely um, absolutely and, and um. uh but the the like what you're talking about grief and is 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 similar to trauma those things that um i think as you know as just just being real with ourselves and uh, I, th- I read something the other day where uh, this woman basically was suffer from all these burns or on her body on her body. And she said, people think it's uh, your strength is when you don't feel pain, but it really is. the strength is when you do feel the pain and
0: mm-hmm. you
1: actually accept and embrace what that pain is. Yeah. And she was talking about her physical pain, but I know, you know, for her also it was like the deeper, deeper emotional one. Mm-hmm. So I think, it's so much healthier that we can actually talk about it in, in such an open way.
0: I think so, too. I, I definitely think so. And, um, you know, it's one of these things where, um, you know, if if we didn't make a difference, it, you, to me, the sad thing is if nobody cared, you mm-hmm. know, nobody cared and it didn't matter. So, yeah. well, I think he signed my book.
1: <laughs> I, I no, I, Tony. I, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> I yeah, think he probably I, did.
0: I think he signed it. It was 2008. And uh, so that was really good. Yeah. I always That's like cool. to ask interviewees and I know you have a hard stop here, but I always like to say, mm-hmm. what else should I have asked that my listeners need to know? You kind of like your last words of wisdom. What would you like to say that, Um,
1: um, you know, my, well,
0: my, my much- wisdom, my focus is wisdom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helping people live, you know, mm. your best life, and you know, beyond happiness. Yeah, uh, what
1: would you say? Uh, I think one of the the themes in 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 the book that I've been talking to a lot because people it's on people's minds, and and in trying to assess like what do we do? You know, how do we actually live our best lives in a time that really what we're still learning from. So one of the themes is this greenhouse metaphor. And as I wrote about, Tony used to talk about, you know, as leaders, as leaders, we we want to be be growing these conditions of greenhouses of people. We don't have to be the tallest tree or the biggest plant, but we want to have grow these conditions and create these conditions so people can grow. And the only thing that was missing for me that I didn't realize till 2020 happened till Tony passed till writing this book and process everything is that yes we we want to nurture other greenhouses but the more important thing to remember is that we also need to nurture our own greenhouse too in parallel so it's like the old metaphor or all like uh, the, the whole airplane analogy right of just like the oxygen mask put it on first and maybe we forgot because we haven't flown for two and a half years but um but that was a huge reminder for me as I finished the book and now that we're having these really honest real talk conversations um, about you know mental health like even you know Surgeon General just announced just a week or two ago how mental health is playing a really big role in people's well-being or lack of and calling it out that over 75 percent of people think that um, they have at least one uh, like something that is awry in their mental state. And uh, I think over 80% of those people also think that it's from the workplace. Yes. So just uh, just to come to terms to realize and remember and actually be our own scientist, you know, or be our own gardener, if you will, right. <laughs> of trying to understand what it is that we really need to nurture our greenhouse because then we won't be able to really live out our values, really live out our purpose and impact others' lives as much as we could if we don't.
0: Yes. Well, this has been a moving conversation and the focus for me is on helping people make the rest of life, the best of life. So may the rest be the life best, <laughs> may the rest be the best. <laughs> Thank you.
1: Thank you. Dr. And I Ken. also
0: write a column for training magazine. So I'm going to be writing about our interview and writing about your book and um, because oh, it's perfect. It's perfect for these times.
1: So, oh wow, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you Thanks very much. Thanks for all your support. Thank you. And best of luck in times on your book too. Let me know how I can help as well.
0: That'd be great. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Dr. Jen.